Hey, Sabrina, let's talk a little bit about risk. You and I have talked a lot about it, but I think we need to get into the weeds. You've been, it's been in the customer's hands for a little while, and people are starting to ask questions. So I thought you and I could chat and get some answers to those questions to help people understand risk better. Does that work for you? Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. All right, let's hit with the first question, that that basic one. Mm-hmm. Like what's risk's risk management philosophy? What's that core value that drives the entire product? Yeah, so um, managing risk seemed to be when we did a lot of customer discovery that it was the biggest gap in in how people were going to move forward with a safety management system. So we did a lot of um, learning. <laughs> I've signed up to many um, F- of the FCA's courses to learn about risk assurance and, and risk um, management in general. So at the end of our discovery with agencies and with FTA, what our current strategy boils down to is um, to both track risk records as a, as a living record so that you can make ongoing changes to it um, and then see everything associated with that risk, like any past mitigations you've implemented or any future plans you have all in one place, but then also use live event data to measure uh, your actual performance against that risk. So that's a key part of safety assurance, Um, but it's a thing that a lot of folks don't really have a a method to do well other than just manually trying to piece that data together. So we've started from there where we say, okay, for each risk, think about how you will measure the likelihood and severity of that. Do you, you know, what kind of events um, or what kind of, of data points for a particular event can you use to determine if your assessment of severity and likelihood are correct? Uh, and then we'll track that for you automatically going forward so that you can, you know, in a, in a regular fashion, review your risks and see, are you off track? Are you on track? Um, and know maybe I need to pay more attention or, or devise some different mitigation strategies for this risk, or maybe this isn't as big a, d- a deal as we thought and we can allocate resources elsewhere. That's our core strategy one. Um, and I just want to say like, there's lots of more robust strategies for risk management that we're kind of investigating like how we would incorporate those into the system. Specifically, um, there's a, a theory called threat management and error coding, um, which are both kind of derivations and, and feed in and I think align well. Um, so we're investigating that and we're going to work with our, our customers, our, our agencies to figure out uh, how we can best incorporate those strategies into the system we already have. Okay, well, I want to get some really good examples. Like, what are the kind of risks that an agency would encounter that you've seen people have a have good a good experience with managing you know, a good result? Like, there's some things that you can manage, and there's some things you can't. What are some good examples for people? Well, 
let me just pick on that statement a little bit. <laughs> so even for things that you can't manage, like there's some things that um, there's different ways to handle risks. And so some things you can't mitigate, you know, maybe you can't mitigate them from happening, um, but you can maybe mitigate the severity. And there's other things that, you know, so that when it happens, it's, it's less impactful. An example of that is a car crash. You know, the car manufacturer only has so many ways to stop you from getting into a car crash, but they can try to make it so you don't die when your car crashes by putting airbags in your car. Um, so that's a good way to think about how you should think about risk. Sometimes you can't stop the thing from happening. Maybe it's not in your control, but you can lessen the impact of it happening. In other cases, you can stop it from happening. Um, the simple example I usually give of how to link things together um, is just a simple employee injury where you say, okay, employee, usually you, the risk is defined as like the negative outcome. What is the thing that you are trying to prevent? And if employee injury is the thing that you're trying to prevent, you could measure that, the likelihood and severity in a number of ways. Um, for example, you can just track the actual number of employee injuries that you have. You can track the number of days that people are out of work to judge the severity of employee injuries. You can track the number of rule violations you have because the assumption is rule violations are probably going to increase the likelihood of an accident that causes injury. So as an agency, you can say, okay, what are all the things that might in the environment? And that's where um, sort of that threat analysis comes in. What are all the things in the environment that could cause an employee injury or contribute to an employee injury happening? And then measure those things and, and make sure. And the other part of this is making sure that your incident management system is set up to track all those elements so that you can measure those things. So if something, if there is something that could contribute to an employee injury that you're not tracking, it's important to add it to your tracking system. Yeah, I mean, well, so for example, you could have a live dashboard of the number of reported rule violations because you think there is some relationship or correlation between increasing a number of rule violations and the potential for injury. So if you see, huh, a lot of people are not following the rules, they're they're cutting corners. Mm -hmm. If if we don't get a handle on this, someone's going to get hurt. So let's keep someone from getting hurt. Is that kind of the, the philosophy? Yeah. So if if rule violations you felt were a particular area of concern, like if you're like, well, this is way more out of control than I thought, then you could make that a dashboard item and just glance at it every day. Are we trending up? Are we trending down? Um, from a risk perspective, um, you could take that rule violation event and just measure it straight up. And it'll automatically track it against the occurrence rate that you say. So if you say, I expect I will see 100 of these in a year and you hit 100 in June, it'll alert you automatically. So we're trying to reduce the amount of you having to just look at it and, and remember to check it every day. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it'll automatically track it for you. But if you're, go if you're like, oh, hey, I'm at 100 in June, what is going on here, then you can create a dashboard item that says, here is the department in which every rule violation is happening and 
track that trend? You know, is is there one department that's seeing all the rule violations? If so, why is that happening? So you can use the dashboard to track trends that you're kind of investigating over time. Like, what what is going on with this one? Um, and then you can also put a task on your on your um, you know your employee injury. If if this is still under the employee injury risk. You can create a corrective action task for yourself to be like, hey, I need to, or a mitigation task to figure out, you know, hey, what is going on with all these? Let's try to figure that out and then track the outcome. So we did this investigation. Here is what we found. Here's our next step. So that you're always documenting what that process is, which is part of what the FTA is asking folks to do as part of an SMS. They're saying, hey, you should you should be able to show what your risk assurance strategy is, like show us how you're doing that. And so one of our, one of my goals was to provide you the framework for doing that without you having to dream it up yourself. (laughs) Right. Now the talking about the FTA Mm -hmm. bring is a good segue into like the next couple questions. So first off, where does how does risk compare to similar other products in the safety industry overall? So interestingly, in the in the transit industry, there have not there's not a lot of safety products out there um, that have a similar scope. There's a fair number of of products that I've encountered, and I by no means know every product. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Um, there's a fair number of products that focus a lot on on data collection and reporting, um, but not many that help you actually manage your risk assurance in a meaningful way, and not many that help you track all the workflows associated with both risk management and incident response. Um, the workflow management part also is a piece that I've not seen very frequently. So I'm sure that there'll be others entering the space. Um, there's definitely interest from other industries where they're like, hey, we do SMS, <laughs> use our product. Um, but oftentimes they're not as tailored to transit as um, it, it makes it harder to, to implement them out of the box because they're, they're not designed necessarily with transit in mind. Cool. Okay, now you, you talked about this gap. Mm-hmm. Other... SMS safety related products. They want to get into tran- the transit industry, but like you, you touched on, you can't just use it right out of the box because the FTA and maybe you know, the other s- state local reg- you know, regulators have rules that the transit agencies have to follow. So being that we're transit focused, this falls right into regulations. So how does risk help support the U.S.? and then probably by extension, other countries' regulatory legislative frameworks and requirements that agencies need to abide by and follow. Yeah, so the good news is when it comes to like countries outside the U.S. that um, the SMS framework, the Safety Management System framework, is a standard framework that is utilized and employed across the world because it's recognized to improve safety outcomes um, with its process. So it's it's very applicable um, no matter where you are. 
just good news. Um, in the U.S., I like it is true that we undertook the development of a safety product specifically because transit agencies and in, in many on many occasions came to us and said, we don't have a way to meet these requirements. We don't have a way to document that we're actually measuring our performance against risk. We don't have a way, like we've, we've said, Hey, we're going to report on, on our own, on our safety KPIs. We don't actually know how we're going to collect that data in a meaningful way. Um, their data was just all over the place. Compile that in one place and then make sure that the follow through is happening because there's two big parts of PTASP that agencies really struggled with. One was how to document follow through on like corrective actions or mitigation plans or making sure that um, those were actually being effective because PTAS requires documentation of that for most agencies is, um, you know, the thing that they have really struggled with and that we really try to make sure that we automate for them is the ability of their ability to actually document that they're performing these key SMS activities. You know, I am, you know, part of risk assurances, you know, following up on the effectiveness of your mitigation strategies. How can you follow up on the effectiveness of that strategy if you don't know if it ever got implemented, which is number one, <laughs> workflow management. Um, and if it did get implemented, if you have no idea when that happened, how can you track if this, if it had an impact or if it's just some random thing like the weather? Like, So the ability for, for you to actually track um, what actions you're taking about safety and actually then measure the before and after performance of your agency to see whether or not what you're doing has impact. That's like a key part of the safety assurance part of an SMS and therefore part of your P-task. And that's a thing that most agencies just didn't have a way to do. They, they didn't even have a way to know if a corrective action strategy or, or recommendations or mitigations even happened. It kind of sent out recommendations into the ether and they had have no idea if it ever got done. Um, so that was like a key part we found is like just knowing what the status was of the actions your agency is taking and being able to see that in the context of safety um, was really the biggest gap um, to implementing a real SMS that people had. They, you know, everyone already had incident management in some shape or form, even if that meant they were getting them an email. It's being able to take that data, do something useful with it, and then track outcomes and be able to know if things happen. Um, so that was like the biggest part. And part of um, PTASP is like they'll have regular reviews and audits that the FTA will perform. And you need to be able to demonstrate to them that you are doing these things. Demonstrate to the FTA that you are, you know, tracking the impact of risk mitigations. Um, so we're providing a platform for them to do that without them having to just do an onerous amount of manual work to keep track of all that stuff. Um, the other thing that we really tried to do is, so I participate in, in many uh, FTA, FTA trainings, they, they train through an agency called TSI. 
um, and also attend lots of, of APTA meetings in particular, with the goal of making sure that the terminology we use in our system is as closely aligned to what the FTA and TSI are using so that, you know, the more regularly you see the same language, the easier it is for all the parties um, to have a joint understanding of what's going on. So we're trying to also align a lot of our um, terminology to make it easier for everyone to get in that same mindset. Perfect. Okay, we're going to change gears now. We've talked yeah. kind of about philosophical stuff. What makes <laughs> risk tick? But let's talk about, you know, where the rubber hits the road or the wheels hit the rails. <laughs> Whatever your choice, because risk works for bus and rail, right? Yeah. Um, how does the world of work has changed? People aren't mm -hmm. always going into the office. So how does risk support people working remotely? Do you have to be in the office to use risk? Yeah, so a lot of our discovery and design for risk happened after, after um, COVID happened. <laughs> so it was one of the top requirements that agencies had, which is, you know, can we do I have to be in the office? Can I do this from anywhere? So it is, we do enable remote support from anywhere that you have internet. Um, that's from a tablet, from a phone, uh, from your computer at your house, wherever it may be. Um, so anywhere you have internet, you can use it. Um, and the goal of that, we, we had a few goals, which was to make sure that um, we're reducing rework as well. So yes, it's also for being able to work remotely and, you know, being flexible and, and letting your writers use it. But it was also um, agencies have said, you know, if I am an operations supervisor and I'm going to do an investigation of an accident today, they're probably writing everything down on, on paper, coming back to the office, transcribing it. Does that happen that same day? Does it happen the next day? Do you make mistakes when you transcribe it? Are you spending three times the amount of time <laughs> as you would have if you just were able to do it directly into the system? And also like it, you know, the next person who has the next action to take based on what you entered, you know, it, it delays that next action happening by however many days that was or however many hours in the case of something really critical. Um, and generally, it just it just is is more time consuming. So we really wanted to make sure that you know, in for urgent events, that you could just do it directly from the tablet. You could use it on mobile phone. Um, but also like for other things, like we're not going to restrict you to just you know filling out accident response forms. Um, you know, any any part of a workflow that you can imagine putting on a form, you can put in the application and folks can can do it from anywhere, from anywhere they have internet. Um, so that's that's super awesome. That's key. Okay, yeah. so you've, we've, people have got this, they can use it wherever they want, mm -hmm. wherever they are, but how do you help people learn the software? I mean, this is, could be in many ways, a sort of a brand new kind of software paradigm people that are thinking about, how do you help people just get going, get up to speed and get productive as fast as possible? So 
It is a little new, but for most people who have ever used their phone or the internet, it should be very intuitive for you. So we worked with professional designers to work through the system and make it as intuitive as possible. For administrators, obviously, it's a little more complex because um, we do allow you to essentially manage all the elements of the system. Most of the system is configurable and an administrator can configure all of it. So there's a lot more complexity there. Again, we worked really hard at making intuitive, but there's an assumption that um, we'll be spending some time with administrators, making sure that they're really familiar with you know, helping them figure out how to set the system up to, to support their, their agency's needs. Um, and then making sure they understand how to how to work it. You touched on data a little. Mm-hmm. You've talked about one of the big challenges of, of agencies was gathering all the data. But in part of that gathering data is working with all of the other systems that an agency may use and yeah. leverage, whether they're trapeze or not. So how, are, how is data integ- and integration handled in risk? So RISC is a cloud-native technology, and, and those, ro- those words get thrown around a lot. Um, but they're important when it comes to data integrations because our system is essentially designed from the ground up to know how to exchange information with other systems. So thinking about the flow of data and, like, where do you want those entry points to be? If you have like a specific reason, like most agencies do for wanting their dispatch to use their ITS system, then great. Um, we'll integrate with your ITS. We'll allow your ITS to communicate with us and send us event data and then be able to trigger, you know, the outstream, the downstream um, data migration from there. So for example, um, we know that most agencies um, if there's a maintenance need or a service need, they're probably going to send that to their asset management system. Um, if they want to get information about um, an operator to associate with an event, they're probably going to get that from uh, whatever their workforce management solution is. So we have um, that aligns for those. But for each agency, it'll be a little different. So it's really important that each agency sit down and be super thoughtful about it. Just saying, oh, let's just take all your data and dump it in one place is usually not very effective. Um, You need to figure out what is the actual right system of record for every piece of data that we're tracking. And that's important to us um, so that you you can make sure that the system of record for that piece of data is not um, being altered in some way, that it is where that data lives. Cool. Okay. Now, I know in May, mm-hmm. first people really got to start to kick the tires risk. It's the fall. Are there, is, are there still slots available? How can someone start using risk now? What's the, where are you at in the, the development, release, onboarding customer status? <laughs> So we are, um, so we're not doing new pilots anymore, but we are accepting early adopters. Um, the first, you know, the early adopter customers get a lot of 
a lot of that handholding I was talking about, like we'll sit down and go through your data management strategy with you to make sure that we get your system set up in the most optimal way. Right. Because it's, it is, it is new software. And while I mean, like any new software, you're learning as much from the oh, agencies sure. as, as they learn from us because the software needs to work for agencies. Mm-hmm. This isn't just like, you didn't just develop the, the software in a room all by yourself and they go, here you go. Done. <laughs> it's, it's much more collaborative than Done. that. Yeah. Done. Yeah, no. Wash my hands of it. See ya. <laughs> no, that's not how it works anymore. Is it? No, no. We, um, we've had a lot of input along the way and a lot of, um, you know, putting various use cases into the system and seeing, oh, hey, that field isn't long enough, or here's what someone wants to put in there, or no, the schedule needs to look different. So um, as we put real data, more and more real data in the system, I expect we'll have more and more tweaks to how things are, which is, which is, which is great. Like, honestly, I don't expect that to ever stop. Um, so we'll we'll continue continue growing it, but this early adopter period, I think, will really sort of set the tone for the future of of the product. Because um, I think that coming out of the early adopter phase, we'll have our our roadmap pretty well identified of like the things we do next. You know, there's there's a variety of things that I already have sort of on my list, and I think. I, not, not. I think I know <laughs> that part of coming out of the early adopter phase, like you know, those folks will help us solidify that list into okay, what things have the most value for you in the short term, so that we can prioritize that list in a way that that is the most effective.